Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series, The Book of Acts, The Church, Then and Now, and was preached on September 3rd, 2023. Hey, I want to thank you again for joining us in worship. You never know on a holiday weekend who's going to show. Oftentimes, a lot of our members are gone, and we also have sometimes more guests than normal. So I do welcome all of you. If you didn't recognize one of our members, that was Mon. I can't pronounce his full name. So we just call him Mon, who was leading worship today. And Mon, you did a good job. Thank you. Hey, you've been there when everything in life is going well. Life is good. Marriage is great. Your kids are doing well at home and at school. A promotion is coming. Your finances are improving. Even your football team looks good this year. And then, bam! Bam! Trouble hits. The teacher calls to tell you that your well-behaved kid isn't. Your car blows a head gasket. You go blow a gasket and blame your wife when you shouldn't have. She's upset. The promotion fell through. Your air conditioner quit, and the guy comes down from the roof to come in to talk to you, and before he explains, he asks you to sit down. And then you found out about your football team. It was only looking good in the preseason, and they got blown out in the opener. I mean, you've been there. Everything's going great, and trouble hits. I want you to understand, we're going to see it in Scripture today, it's the same way in church life. Attendance booms, unity is real, offerings, baptisms, new members are up, and then boom, trouble comes. That's how church life is. That's how it happens. And it happens really for two reasons. Number one, church is made up of human beings, and all of us are human beings, and we all have issues, and sometimes that rolls over into church life. But it also happens because as a church, when we're doing God's work, we have an enemy who wants to destroy us, the devil. And so whenever church life is going well, you can expect that trouble will come. In the opening couple of chapters of Acts, we've been describing an almost ideal church. But it didn't last. Issues came. In Acts 3 and 4, persecution and opposition began. Acts chapter 5 tells us of a financial scandal within the church. Acts chapter 6 tells of internal trouble, jealousy between members, racism, favoritism. Even the early church, as strong as it was, had issues. And so I want us to know as a church, how do we react? By the way, the the, uh, picture on the screen, I've been using a different church each week. This is St. Stephen's Church in Douglas, Arizona, experienced a fire earlier this year, just about the time they thought they got this one out. Another church down the road also experienced, both were arson. You see, in today's world, churches have enemies. 
and hateful acts against church opposition, persecution, trouble is on the rise. So we need to understand that if we take a stand and we do the work of Jesus, we're going to have trouble. That's part of the fallen world that we live in. And so we need to know how to react. So I'm going to tell you the story. We're going to read part of it of Acts chapter 3 and 4. Our story starts with a healing. Peter and John healed a man. He was there begging. He was looking for money. They had no money. Remember, it was a very poor church. They were just barely finding ways to keep everybody in their membership fed. So he said, silver and gold I don't have. But he healed the man. That's how it started. That drew a crowd, and Peter used the opportunity to preach Jesus. And then as the crowd gathered, and he was preaching Jesus, and they got in trouble, he was very clear, hey, listen, we didn't do this. Jesus did it. Jewish leaders didn't like that, so they arrested Peter and John, and they put them in jail overnight. And we're going to pick up as they were brought before the Jewish leaders the next day. We're going to read Peter and John's beautiful answer to the opposition that they faced. It's in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. Let's stand together and let's read that passage. It's only part of the story. You can go back later and read all of Acts 3 and 4. But this is the answer that they gave to the Jewish leaders. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I want you to be seated And I want us to to think about this incredible story in Acts chapter 3 and 4. And I want to make sure that we understand it because then we can apply it directly. Too often we take a verse here and a verse there and a verse there and we, we take them out of context. I want us to know the story and then we can apply it directly. What do we do 
when opposition comes, when trouble hits a church. So I want to kind of talk you through the story so you can know the story. And the first thing we see in this story is compassion like Jesus from Peter and John. They were on their way to prayer. This particular church had a daily prayer time in the temple. And they saw a lame man who was near the temple gate asking for help. He would have been, had to have been carried there most likely. And people would bring him there under the assumption that people gathering to worship God are more likely to help. And so he would have hung out probably pretty much on a daily basis there um, seeking some income, some food, something to live on. There was no government assistance really of any sort in those days. And so he would have relied on Christians or Jews to help. Peter and John had no money. The church of Jerusalem was not a rich church. They were not overflowing with money. But Peter and John, in the name of Jesus, showed compassion and kindness. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, they healed the man. I want you to understand that because that's where this story starts. That's looking through the Gospels. Almost always where the good Jesus stories start. When Jesus helped people in an act of compassion and kindness. That's where good church stories start today. When we love people, help people, and we show compassion and kindness to people. Have you heard the story of a man walking down a road who fell into a pit? People began to walk by. A highly emotional person walked by and said, I feel for you down in the pit. A realist walked by and said, you know, it's logical that someone would fall into that pit. That pit is in a really bad place. A Pharisee walked by and said, only bad people fall into pits. A self-pitying person came by and said, hey, that's nothing. You should see my pit. A fire and brimstone preacher, preacher came by and said, you deserve your pit. A philosopher said, the pit is only in your mind. A psychologist said, your mother and father are to blame for you being in the pit. A therapist said, believe in yourself and you can get out of the pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. Jesus, seeing the man in the pit, reached down and lifted him out. You see, that's what Jesus does. That's where this story starts. That's where the story of today's church should start, with compassion. We love people like Jesus loves people, so we help people. We're not in the business of condemning, judging, or putting down. If helping people gets us into trouble like it did Peter and John, then so be it. It's happened to us before. It will happen to us again. That's how the church imitates Jesus. We love like he does and we help whenever we can. 
And then, as should happen today, the story went from compassion to preaching Jesus. A a crowd gathered, and Peter used the opportunity to preach Jesus. And I love the way that Peter answered the complaint when he was brought before the, the Jewish leaders. Listen, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and we are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but who God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. You know how he took, immediately took the attention off Peter and John and put it on Jesus. Hey, don't blame us and don't give us credit. This was an act of Jesus. Don't blame us for helping people. We're doing the work of Jesus. Don't thank us for helping people. It's Jesus. A good church like this church uses every opportunity to point to Jesus because he is our message. He is our power. He is our focus. And so we can't help it if we're really going to be like Jesus. That's who we are. We help people in Jesus' name, and then we use that opportunity to tell people why we do this. If we communicate, hey, we're helping you because we're good people, we're wrong, and we're liars. We help people because we're Jesus' people, and we point to Him. And so you see in the story that the compassion like Jesus, and then Peter and John preaching Jesus, and Then came the opposition to Jesus. Peter and John spent the night in prison, and they were commanded to be quiet. Commanded to be quiet. Don't teach in Jesus' name. Don't preach Jesus. In the strongest possible terms, the Jewish leader says, shut up about Jesus. Hey, listen, and I want you to understand this and hear this from me correctly. The world doesn't necessarily like today's church. But if we're going to offend people, let's do it for the right reason. Because we're preaching Jesus. Today's church seems to be bent on offending people on politics, on transgenderism, on women's roles, on marriage, on climate, and much more. Peter didn't preach current issues. He didn't preach the state of the Jewish nation or the Roman Empire. He preached Jesus. So if we're going to offend people today, let it be primarily because we have taken an extremely strong stand and we preach Jesus. It's not that other issues aren't important, but it's Jesus is the most important. So if you only hear one thing from Avondale Baptist Church, it's that we are believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, and we invite you to repent of your sins, believe in Him, have your sins wiped out, and follow Jesus with us. Opposition to Jesus is going to come. Let's just make sure if we're going to get opposition is because of our stand for Jesus. Now, now listen, the opposition came because Peter preached boldly about Jesus. I was on a mission trip to the island of Dominica one time with a group of, of ladies and men from our church. And uh, Pastor David at Deliverance Baptist Church on the island um, told me this before he preached because they had invited me to preach. Now, you got to understand that Dominica is predominantly a black island. It's about 96% uh, 
black people. And so their, their, their church culture was a little different than ours. But here's what he said. He said, listen, Pastor Jack, if you don't preach for an hour, we won't feel like we've been to church. So, and, and here's the quote. He says, don't give us a wimpy white boy sermon, preach Jesus. Now listen, I don't know how long in Acts chapter 3 that Peter preached, but I want to tell you, he was definitely not wimpy about Jesus. Everything he said was about Jesus. If you're to go back in Acts chapter 3 and you are to, to kind of outline that out, his sermon points would be like this. God healed this man by the power of Jesus. You killed Jesus. God raised Jesus from the dead. By faith in the risen Jesus, this man was healed. By repent, repentance and faith in Jesus, your sins can be wiped out. All the prophets of the Old Testament foretold of Jesus. Therefore, put your faith and trust in Jesus. What was the theme of his sermon? If you didn't catch that, you weren't listening. I mean, it wasn't politics, it wasn't morality, it wasn't any other issues. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You guys get what I just said? Jesus. He was bold about Jesus. And one of my real frustrations of the church is we are bold about everything else, and we are quiet about Jesus. We got it backwards. Let's be bold about Jesus. Not ignore the other issues, but let's be bold about Jesus and we can talk quietly about the other issues because Jesus is the focus. And that's why the opposition came because he preached with boldness about Jesus. And by the way, this was not just Peter and John. Go to all of the sermons preached by all of the apostles that we see in the Bible and they were bold about Jesus. That was their life. That was their talk. That was their preaching. And it should be ours as well. Number five, and I love this, even the critics had recognition of Jesus. I look at even what the critics said about the early church. These men are uneducated and untrained and unschooled. They haven't been to school like we have. They're just ordinary guys. Where do they get their boldness and it says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's what happens when we grow in the faith. Our time with Jesus makes us like Jesus. And then they even grudgingly admitted the fact that the church had done good. Well, what can we say? They, they healed a man who had been lame since birth. Even the critics recognized that these men had been with Jesus and did something good in the name of Jesus. I know personally a critic, someone who is not a fan of organized religion and is not sure what she believes. But at least she conceded. Your church, Avondale Baptist Church, acts like Jesus in that it feeds the hungry, houses the homeless, cares for the sick, helps the grieving. We do more funerals than any church I know. And acts like Jesus. 
We want to make an impact on the world. We need to get out in the world and act like Jesus. And even our critics will recognize they're doing something good. They're helping people. So, so understand the story. They, they, they had compassion like Jesus. They preached Jesus. They was opposition to Jesus. They were bold about Jesus. Even the critics recognized Jesus. And then notice the response of the church to the opposition. They responded with obedience to Jesus. Acts 4, 19 and 20 is really a key verse in the entire book of Acts. It's a key statement of the early church. For the very first time in the church, real opposition to Jesus came, and they were told to shut up about Jesus. And they answered with this. Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They didn't whine. God, you didn't tell us it was going to be this hard. You didn't tell us we're going to be arrested. They didn't whine. They didn't grumble. They didn't blame God. We're out there in the world doing your work, and they pick on us. They didn't quit and walk away. Say, I'm not going to do that anymore. They didn't lash out at the Jews. They didn't call in the lawyers. We're going to sue. And we'll go over your head, Jewish leaders. We'll go to the king. And if that doesn't work, we'll write letters to the emperor. They didn't go underground and hide. They simply declared, we're going to do what Jesus told us to do. Judge us if you want. Jail us if you want. Kill us if you want. We're going to tell people what we know about Jesus. We cannot do anything else. We will obey Jesus. You can call that stubbornness, but it was a stubborn, persistent obedience. Listen, Jewish leaders, you, you do what you have to do. We're going to do what Jesus told us to do. They didn't get argumentative. They didn't get defensive. They didn't get sidetracked. They didn't let secondary issues consume them. They knew the task of the church was to preach Jesus because that's what Jesus told them to do. And so, you guys do what you got to do. We're going to preach Jesus. They were obedient to the most important command to go into the world and preach Jesus and make disciples. That's how they dealt with opposition. We won't be quiet. We won't back down. We won't shut up. We're going to do what Jesus told us to do. You guys do what you have to do. We'll see later in Acts, they, they were perfectly willing to be arrested again. Some of them were killed. It didn't stop them. Many of the people in the Jerusalem church, we'll see in a few chapters, were totally and completely forced to flee just for their lives. But wherever they went, they preached Jesus. And then God used that persecution and he used that opposition for a great thing because instead of the church just being centered there in Jerusalem when they had to flee for their lives they went to new towns new cities new places new countries and preached Jesus they were obedient to Jesus and listen our great task and our great call and I know we can get stuck on a thousand issues in life our great call is to preach Jesus and we need to be obedient to that. Number seven, they had complete trust in Jesus. Acts 4.23 says, 
On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported everything that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And they started off with praise. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In essence, God, we know you're the creator. We know you're the boss. We know you're in control. So we will trust you. We will do what you called us to do, knowing that nothing is going to happen that's not part of your will. We trust you. We need that same kind of faith to go into the world. We trust you, God. Hey, people may not like us. People may turn against us. People may oppose us. Maybe if things keep going in America like they seem to be going, they'll ultimately start persecuting us. We don't know. It doesn't matter. That's not our issue. We trust you, so therefore we can do what you told us to do. And then the amazing part. All this is amazing, but, but I want you to see what they did next. They prayed for boldness to preach Jesus, as if they hadn't been bold enough already. And this may be the most amazing part. They'd just been arrested. They'd just been threatened. They'd just been told to shut up and stop preaching Jesus. Their prayer was simple, and Luke recorded it beginning in 429. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I love this next verse. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So think about what just happened. We just got in trouble for healing someone. So God bring us more healings. We were just told to shut up about preaching Jesus. God give us boldness to preach boldly. This was no typical Baptist, wimpy prayer meeting prayer, asking God to prolong the life of the old people or to heal us from the latest cold virus going around. This wasn't even a protect us while we do your work. It was not a, hey, God, give us leaders and governors and kings who will agree with us while we do your work. This was a bold prayer. God, we don't care what happens out there. Just give us boldness to preach Jesus. And they were given boldness. And the place where they met was shaken. Now, we'd probably just write that off as an earthquake if it happened to us. This was the power of God saying, I'm with you, and I will answer your prayer. I will give you boldness. Hey, listen, we pray for a lot of things in our church. We should pray for all of them. We should pray for the, for, for the elderly. We should pray for the sick. We should pray for the colds and viruses and flus going around. And I mean, I'm not saying don't pray for those things. I'm just saying at the very top of our list, God, help us to do your work and preach Jesus boldly in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God answered the prayer. So, so how did they react to trouble? I find this incredible. But they prayed for and did the very things that would bring them more trouble. They obeyed Jesus. And they preached Jesus. 
with great boldness. Did, did, you, did you notice the common word in all eight points? Jesus, 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 Jesus. The more they came under opposition and persecution, the more they focused on Jesus, acting like Jesus, loving like Jesus, preaching Jesus with boldness. You hear a lot. We probably overstate it. Because we still live in a land in America where we have more freedom to do the work of God than in almost any other land on earth. But, but you begin to see here and there, you know, people worried about our, our, whether we still have the same religious freedom or whether people are beginning to persecute us or people are beginning to hate us. The early church didn't seem to care. Our, our task is clear whether they're for us or against us, whether they said we can or we can't, we're going to preach Jesus. And that's how they responded to opposition. So so now that you know the story, how should we respond? How should we imitate the early church? Number one, we should show kindness and compassion to all people. It doesn't matter who they are. If they're in the pit, Help them out. Doesn't matter whether it's politically correct. Doesn't matter if they're in the pit because of their own fault, their own issues, their own challenges. Doesn't matter who they are. We need to imitate Jesus and help people in the name of Jesus. All people. No matter where they're from, no matter what their, their, their native citizenship is, no matter what they believe, no matter what their faith is, we help people like Jesus. And so, so that's where it starts. And that opens the door as long as we do what's next. We let them know we're doing it in Jesus' name. If, if I take the credit, there will be no spiritual power as a result. I help people in various ways our benevolence fund, and I hope you do that. Got involved in basketball and meet a lot of families who need it, and I hope you do, you do that. Sometimes I just help people directly. I do a lot of funerals for people. Um, and, and, and if I let them think I'm doing this or we're doing this because I'm a good guy, I have blown the greatest opportunity of my life. We need to let people know we're doing it because we're followers of Jesus, and that's what Jesus taught us to, to do. Do you know Jesus? I mean, there's a natural movement from helping someone to talking to them about Jesus and taking the credit away from me. Hey, I didn't think of this. I can be pretty stingy. But my Jesus is generous. And he taught me to be generous because he loves us all, which means he loves you every bit as much as he loves me. So in the name of Jesus, I want to help you. Church needs to be good at that. One of the things we want to do in our church um, several have asked, hey, what, what, what's this outreach director position that, that we're seeking? We are seeking someone who can help us keep all of our social ministries focused on Jesus and use every opportunity we have to talk to people about Jesus. Why do we do food distributions on the first Wednesday? Because we love Jesus, we're following Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. 
Why are we doing medical care on Mondays? Because we know Jesus, we love Jesus, Jesus loves you, we want you to know about Jesus. We'll take care of your medical care, and we would love to have the opportunity to pray for you, tell you about Jesus. Why do we do basketball? Because it opens the door for us to show you love and get involved in your life as a family, and ultimately point you to Jesus. That's our goal. So we need to be very well at this. We need to learn how to explain Jesus to people. Peter and John did a great job. Hey, you calling us on account of, of, of we helped someone? Well, let me explain why we did that. Because Jesus is real. He's God's son. He died. He rose again. He's alive. And if you put your faith and trust in him, he will wipe out all your sins and give you a season of refreshing. And it's not that complicated. We need to learn how to explain that, every single one of us. And then... And this will be the focus of our, our prayer groups this week. Pray for boldness to speak Jesus. Even if opposed. Shut up. Oh, okay. No, we need to pray for... No. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. That needs to be who we are and what we do. Opposition may very well come. It might intensify in the United States of America. We need to respond with boldness and preach Jesus. Now, I've talked to you all about Jesus today. But I want you to know that each and every one of you needs to come to that point in your life where you choose to believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he did die on the cross that he did rise again, that he is alive today. And that if you'll put your faith and trust in him, he will forgive you your sins and give you a life worth living, an eternal life that will last forever with Jesus. And so I don't want you to just know that Pastor Jack believes in Jesus and the church does. I want you to put your faith and trust in Jesus as well. And so we have this thing called an invitation. You can respond. There'll be people down here who, who will be able to answer the question, how do I do that? How do I follow Jesus? And, and, and they will teach you that this is what you do. It, it's, it's a faith thing, but you can tell them you believe in him in a prayer, and we'll even help you with that. And then what do I do? What, you're baptized. You make the public case that I want to follow Jesus. If you're ready to be baptized, we'll help you do that. Then you jump in and you begin to serve God in a church, and we will help you do these things. But it starts with you. You've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And then like the early church, almost immediately. Remember, these were not long-term believers who had been believers for 40 years. The overall predominant number of people in the church had been believers for less than a few months. And they were out on the streets with Peter and John preaching Jesus. I want us to be that kind of church. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we don't want to get argumentative with people. We don't want to get defensive with people. We don't want to get sidetracked and talk about a thousand other issues because the issue, the person the world needs to hear about from us is you. Jesus, you are God. You are real. You died on the cross. You rose again. So we want to follow you, and we want to speak boldly about you. And I pray that today there will be people who do that. Hey, I've thought about it. 
I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm going to follow him in baptism. I'm going to join a church. I'm going to learn how to serve Jesus boldly. Father, I pray that decisions for you will be made right now. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're ready to make a decision for Jesus, you can come and request help. You can let us know on a connection card. We'll follow up with you. But if God's leading, you say yes to Jesus. And if you don't know what to pray, pray right now like the early church. God, give me boldness to tell people about Jesus. Father, if opposition comes, we're going to be okay. If persecution comes, we're going to be okay. If people tell us to shut up, we will be okay as long as we keep preaching Jesus. We'll do it with love and compassion and kindness by helping people every way we can. That's who we want to be. Help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you, you may be seated for just a moment, just a kind of final word of advice. I know that there's a lot of blogs and there are a lot of podcasts and there, there are a lot of people talking about all the opposition that the church is facing. Don't sweat it. Don't let it bother you. Because what happened to the early church when opposition came, the church expanded like crazy. So as long as we know how to handle opposition and persecution, we're going to be okay. We will keep preaching Jesus. And when we're afraid to speak up, we will pray for boldness so we can pre keep preaching Jesus. And when they tell us to shut up because they're tired of hearing, we will respond with kindness, compassion, and we will keep preaching Jesus. The world has heard a thousand messages from the church. They really only need to hear one. Jesus. So if you're going to offend someone this week, do so as long as you do it because of your stand and your faith and your preaching of Jesus. That's okay. God will use that and honor that. Hey, thank you for joining us for worship online. Thank you. Reminder of a couple of things going on in church. Um, we do have a Wednesday night prayer meeting both in person and online. You can join um, either one of those. And if Wednesday night is a bad time for you and several of you have said, I can't make Wednesday night. I understand. Life is busy, but if you want to start one at another time, someone said, well, maybe a Thursday morning women's group or, or, or maybe a Sunday night prayer group. Hey, you want to do that? Let me know. I know there's always fear. If I'm the one to bring it up, Pastor Jack will put me in charge. Um, and there may be some truth to that. There may be some truth to that. But what I'm asking you to do is, is really pretty simple. 
You be the one to say, we're going to do it. It's going to be at this time, it's here. They gave us prayer sheets. I'll open us and pray. You guys pray as you feel led, and then you close. And, hey, you have some fellowship. It's okay. You want to have donuts? That's okay. You want to have coffee? That's okay. Black coffee, strong. I might even show up. Um, But just do it. And when you pray this week, pray for boldness. Hey, some staff changes just to let you know. Naomi's on vacation, by the way, this week. She took a two-week vacation just a couple weeks before she retired just so we would know how to handle it when she's gone, and I'm terrified Um, because she did a lot. And, 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 and now we know it. Amanda Van Hawkwagen, and I announced this last week, will be our new church secretary. Um, raise your hand, Amanda, if they don't know her. She was on our praise team. And, and uh, um, so within two or three weeks, Amanda will do everything just like Naomi did. Right, Amanda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- anyway, pray for her because, you know, when, when you're following someone in any kind of job, but especially in ministry, when you're following someone who's been doing the job for 44 plus years, it's a little bit stressful. So pray for Amanda. We're also seeking a permanent worship leader. Um, we had been seeking um, full-time, part-time would be okay um, with us, and we're seeking, as I mentioned, someone to lead our outreach ministries. That also could be um, part-time. It could be someone who combines the job into a full-time, or it could be couple of different part-time people. Anyway, you pray about that as we continue to find the people that God are leading us to. I'm excited about the future of the church, and I think God's going to do very well through us as long as we remember who we are and why we're here. Thank you for worshiping with us. Let's stand together and let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for reminding us, hey, opposition will come, persecution will come. We might even be told to shut up, like the early church was. We're okay with that. We just want boldness to keep showing compassion and kindness and gentleness and love to people, and we want to keep preaching Jesus. Fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit so we can do these things. And all the people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.